From the Whiskey Tangent Studios in Marlton, New Jersey, this is Whiskey Tangent News. Hey everybody, this is Ed from the Whiskey Tangent Podcast, back with another episode of Whiskey News. And joining me as always is Scott. Hey everybody. Let me tell you what we're going to do today. We're going to feature seven news stories. Three will be of the industry news variety. Uh, Three will be financial news. Very, very prim and proper. Mm. And then one will be a feel-good story. Unfortunately, no true crime. Yeah, it's a slow news month. We're going to talk about two tastings that we went to. 20 new whiskeys that you can buy this month. Mm. Finishing out the year strong. And then what's coming up in the new year for the podcast. That's right. All right, Scott. So what's our first story today? Well, it is December 2023. And here's all the news that's fit to drink. In industry news, the first news item, the top story. Top story tonight. Breaking news. (laughs) From the spirits business, the EU extends suspension of American whiskey tariff. Mm. In a follow-up to a story, yes, that we reported back in October, whiskey makers in the U.S. can breathe a sigh of relief as it was announced late last week that the European Union has extended the suspension of its tariffs on American whiskey. To recap, in January 2022, the EU placed a two-year suspension on its 25% tariff on American whiskey imports that were imposed in response to the Trump administration's trade disputes over steel and aluminum. If an agreement had not been reached by January 1st, 2024, which is just a few days from now the tariffs would have been reinstated and doubled to 50 percent the new deadline is now march 31st 2025 the economic impact of the tariffs was significant between 2018 and 2021 while they were in effect american whiskey exports to the eu dropped 20 percent but following the 2022 suspension exports rebounded 29 percent and accounted for 44 percent of all american whiskey exports even more impressive through october 2023 exports were up another 64 percent said eric mm. swanger president and CEO of the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States, we greatly appreciate the efforts of the Biden administration to secure an extended suspension of the EU's retaliatory tariffs on American whiskeys. This agreement is welcome news for distillers across the country, but until the threat of these tariffs is fully removed, the uncertainty will continue to restrict whiskey export growth, so we urge EU and U.S. officials to permanently end the tariffs. Right. You know, we never get political in here. It's one of our rules. Yeah. It just, it's it's supposed to be a fun podcast, and God, politics are never fun. That's one thing we can agree on, right? (laughs) Yeah. Politics are never fun they could be funny but they're not fun but i'm thinking that the short duration of this extension is to see what happens in our next election Mm, could be so they don't want to lock themselves into like three years and then if there's a new administration with new harsh tariffs they want to have something in their holster they can pull out yeah that's true i didn't really think of it in those terms but uh social studies teacher yeah right (laughs) i mean that's a really good thought and might be the reason why it is only 18 months Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i do think that sometimes it feels like we get taken advantage of in the tariff thing but you don't want to handcuff your own industry you know yeah it's one of our biggest allies too so i I feel like yeah i don't remember exactly what happened in 2018 with the aluminum and the, the steel problem, then they're retaliating against us. And yeah. it's like all yeah. this like gamesmanship. Right. It's like, oh, we've been coddling them since the Marshall Plan. It's time <laughs> to hold their feet to the fire. And it's kind of ridiculous. It's almost like friends. Like if I didn't give you a birthday present, well, I'm not you giving you a birthday present. You forgot my birthday. Well, no, that would be fucked up. Let's not, <laughs> not even, don't even joke about that. Or if I got but you a lesser gift. What it's like is it's like you had five slices of pizza and I had three, but, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm not paying for half the pizza. It's like, it really okay. do. It doesn't ever work out. Yeah. I noticed I gave you the five slices too that's the funniest part yeah, of that, it. that would absolutely never happen <laughs> okay so our second story in industry news also from the spirits business pinot ricard reveals its first chinese whiskey 
First announced in 2019, Spirits Giant Pernod Ricard has released its inaugural Chinese whiskey and opened its $150 million Imeishan distillery to the public as part of its vision to create a prestige whiskey malt made in China they're calling the Shuan Malt Whiskey. They used only local ingredients but aged the distillate in three different types of international oaks. American bourbon cask, which bring an elegant vanilla and fruity aroma. Spanish sherry cask, which provide sweetness. And Chinese oak cask, which provide flavors of sandalwood and mandarin peels. In addition, the year-round precipitation from the nearby Ene Mountain, along with the region's intense summer heat, results in an increased intensity of flavors. Pernod Ricard has also opened a visitor center at the distillery, featuring an immersive demonstration of whiskey making, tastings, a gift shop, and fine dining restaurant that offers Sichuan fusion cuisine. Said Jerome Cotin Bison, CEO of Pernod Ricard China, we're proud to put China on the world map of whiskey by presenting this exceptional malt. And as a leading international spirits group, we are committed to proactively responding to the burgeoning enthusiasm and diversified demands of Chinese consumers. Mm. It's true China is a wide open market mm. and many industries try to get a foothold in China. The reality is Chinese don't drink a lot per capita compared to other countries. One yeah. reason for that is they don't process alcohol the same as Europeans do. Oh, Asians don't. They don't. Really? They don't. I'm trying to remember what it is. Something 80% of Asians, and I'm assuming China is included in this group, have an overactive alcohol dehyd... Here, I pulled up, Scott. You read it. You speak Latin more than I do. Due to genomic differences, 80% of Asians have an overactive alcohol dehydrogenase. Yeah. Hence, they break down alcohol into acetaldehyde very quickly, even up to 100 times quicker. Since alcohol is broken down faster, this is why you might experience little to no alcohol buzz. Oh, right. So wow. So it doesn't really affect them that much, so why drink it? It's right. It's not a big thing. And when they do drink, maybe it's the other way, too. Maybe they drink wine the way we drink, like, grape soda or, you know, or fruit punch or something. Right. They're just drinking for the flavor. Yeah. So possibly, I don't think many people realize that certain cultures or ethnic backgrounds process alcohol differently. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, I mean, historically, Native Americans process it the other way. Yeah. They got extra drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a real yeah, problem for yeah. them in the Native American community. Firewater. That re- yeah, that firewater. Is that racist? <laughs> no, I mean, that's what they called it. <laughs> that's, that was the nickname of it. Uh, I will note that uh, Diageo was also in the process of making a mm-hmm. distillery in China. It's Like I said, it's a wide open market. There isn't a lot of American brands being sold there, so that makes sense. Yeah. But it's hard to navigate between the governments of the United States and China, companies of the two places, and the people. Because I'll tell you right now, of the 1.4 billion Chinese walking around, most of them don't really care about the rift between the United States and China. Like They're just trying to get through their day like we are. And um, it's such a vast country that not only do you have to speak either Cantonese or Mandarin, you have to speak the dialect of that particular area. Yeah, there's like 12 like they different They can't dialects. even understand themselves sometimes, let yeah. alone what's going on in, you know, our steel industry in Pittsburgh yeah, or whatever, you know. It's a vast country and people in the north don't speak the same dialect as people in the south or the right. west or the east. Yeah, it, exactly. It's, it's crazy. So it's an interesting story. I mean, I'm not surprised that some brands are moving in there to try to tap into, you know, a very large population. Yeah, and even if it's only 20% of people process it normally... In China, that's 20% of 1.4 billion is a lot of people. <laughs> that's right. That's Basically, it's the United States. Right. <laughs> All right. So the last story in industry news, Whiskey Advocate has revealed their top 20 whiskeys. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, we'll go 20 to 1, and we'll just do it real quick. Yeah, real quick. Yeah. Number 20 was the Ezra Brooks 99 Rye. Here are great things about that one. I don't think I've tried it. Yeah. Fuji, Japanese whiskey, at number 19. Okay. Number 18, Teeling Wonders of Wood, which oh. is finished in the Ambarana. 
We've liked our, we like some tealings. I would give that a try. Yeah, go back to episode 69. Oh. Uh, number 17, Crown Royal Noble Collection Barley Edition. Mm. Uh, number 16 was a special green spot Quail's Gate version. Okay. I mean, I've enjoyed Crown Royal. I don't know if I had the barley one, but I've definitely had some of that collection. I love Crown Royal, so I give it a try. And green spots never let us down. Yeah. Uh, number 15, Old Elk Port Finished. Sounds great. Bad name. <laughs> number 14 was the Glenfiddich 12-year Amontillado cask sherry finish. Sure. Number 13, we featured on the podcast, the Hemingway Signature Edition Rye. Mm, there we go. Ding, yeah. ding, ding. Very good. That's right. Uh, number 12, the Blue Run Trifecta. Number 11, Barrowcraft Spirit, six-year-old bourbon. It's batch 35. Um, they're, they're all good. Yeah. Number 10, the Glendronach cask. This is batch 12 of theirs. That's a scotch. Number nine, Bardstown Bourbon Collaboration Series called Foursquare. That's number nine. Number eight is Glenmorangie, A Tale of the Forest. Number seven, Dewar's Double Double 21-Year-Old Mizanara Oak. Oh, yeah. I read about that. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, number six, Maker's Mark Cellar Aged. Mm. Yeah, I've heard stuff about that. Yeah. Number five, Wild Turkey Master Keep Voyage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bourbon. Uh, number four, Little Book Chapter 7 in retrospect. We didn't get that one, did we? No, not yet. Mm. Uh, we'll it's have hard to, to find it. now. Yeah, it is hard to find. Number three, the highest American whiskey on the list from Westland. It's something called Gariana. It's a single malt. Yeah, you, you'll get Gariana if you don't wear a condom. It's a true story. Uh, uh, number two, uh, Highland Park, cast strength, batch four, scotch. and the That's nu- interesting. Yeah. And the number one, the Glen Glossa, sand and scotch. Only $70 for that. That's oh, number one. Good luck now. Now it's $400. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, okay. So financial news. From Whiskey Investments. World's oldest whiskey finally gets auctioned. Wow. So in a follow-up to another story we featured back in October, 24 bottles of what is believed to be the world's oldest whiskey found hidden behind a cellar door in historic Blair Castle, nestled in the heart of Perthshire, Scotland, and rumored to have graced the palate of Queen Victoria, sold for £385,000 at auction on the whiskey auctioneer platform earlier this month. Per bottle? No, collectively. Oh, how old is it, Scott? Hundred years older. Well, distilled in 1833 and aged for just eight years, each bottle has become a time capsule, preserving the rich heritage of Scotch whiskey craftsmanship. The anticipation surrounding these rare finds reached a fever pitch as each bottle, originally listed at ten thousand pounds, surpassed expectations, selling at an impressive average price of sixteen thousand sixty-eight pounds. With one exceptional bottle fetching nineteen thousand five hundred pounds after receiving thirty-seven spirited bids. I don't think that's crazy compared to some other stuff we've heard. Well, right. I remember us speculating because it, it wasn't aged for all that long. Right. It was only aged eight years, but it right. goes back so far, 1833. Yeah. So we expected the price to be a little higher than this. So I, I'm a little surprised. I'm surprised. I mean, I know that if it was 60-year-old McCallum, they would be over $100,000 a bottle easy. Well, here we go. Okay. Compare that with this story from Yahoo Finance. Single whiskey bottle sells for a new auction record. Late last month, one of only 40 bottles of McCallum 1926, aged 60 years. Wow. I mean, that's <laughs> unbelievable that I pulled that out of my ass. They won't believe it. They'll believe that we set this up. I know. No, he totally guessed that. In Sherry Cast, sold for a record $2.7 million at Sotheby's in London, fetching far more than the anticipated range of one to 1.4 million. Right, and maybe I read stuff too. I read. Yeah, yeah, maybe you saw it. Maybe I caught that a few weeks ago or something, and that's why it was in my mind. Yeah. These bottles, initially not sold, but instead offered to select McAllen clients, hold significant allure with Sotheby's whiskey expert Johnny Fowl, describing the taste as being rich with red fruit, spice, and wood. 
The auction also highlighted the diversity of the Macallan 1926 collection, as there were 12 other bottles up for sale, one of which was painted by Irish artist Michael Dillon and sold for $1.5 million. So 2.7 is the record now for a single bottle. We're hoping to sell the podcast for that. <laughs> yeah, what are we, Penelope now? What's happening? Yeah, we're trying, right. I'll sell it to Old Elk so that we'll stop <laughs> making fun of their name. They can just buy us and shut us down. Right. Uh, okay, so the third and final story in financial news, again from the spirits business, U.S. spirits industry experiences post-pandemic pause. The Wine and Spirits Wholesalers of America, which encompasses wine and spirit distributors for hundreds of thousands of accounts in the U.S., has unveiled its 2023 mid-year SIP source report. It found that during the first six months of 2023, spirit sales in the U.S. fell by 4.2%, with 100-plus products dropping by 15%, which they attributed to the end of the pandemic boost and the impact of inflation, said SIP source analyst Danny Brager. Volume declines have been spread pretty broadly across mainstream product segments, which points to a more overarching issue. It's likely that the very high growth rate of the category over the past two years has simply caught up with us. The spirits category grew volume at abnormally high levels in parts of 2021 and in to 2022. Uh-huh. However, it isn't all gloom and doom. Now that inflation rates have moderated, analysts expect a strong performance for spirits in the second half of 2023, albeit in the low single digit range. So this was what the guy, when we went to the Remus tasting, yeah. the uh, distributor guy, I can't remember, Joe, I think his name was, this is what he was saying. And we were sort of surprised to hear that, that there had been a decline in spirit sales. And then when I went to do my research for the news, I went looking specifically for that and I found it. Yeah. So what he said was, um, distributors make a lot higher margin off of liquor store sales than restaurant sales. Mm. So when we were shut down in COVID and the liquor stores were still selling, but the bars weren't, they moved a lot more bottles right yeah like scott and i went out to buy bottles we didn't go out to buy drinks that night you know no hell i was drinking a bottle a week that's a fact i mean i just was we had nothing else to do yeah it sounds like a lot but 12 drinks really it's 12 drinks throughout the week that's not yeah. a lot no it's, it's not it's like two a day 25 ounces in a bottle yeah you have two ounce drink spill some on the floor it's 12 drinks <laughs> so things opened up people bought less bottles for home and spent more money out and so their money also went to wings and yeah and shrimp and stuff like that so the restaurants flourished back again those that survived but the volume slowed down a bit yeah because we have to drive back and forth to the restaurant too so i wouldn't have drank as much at the restaurant as i do at home right and so my consumption would have been lower too so that's all part of it yeah he sort of made it sound like it was much worse than 4.2 percent would indicate like 11 or 12 and i maybe in this area possibly this is all over the united states the 4.2 average i I dare say we drink a lot in the northeast yeah but maybe that's where he was seeing it right because we drank Mm. so much at home so that volume that we are not drinking anymore right you know but what pisses me off about that is it happens all the time in corporate america you feasted for two years yeah and then when it goes back to normal you cry poor yeah (laughs) this happens all the time oh yeah you know the oil companies people weren't driving so a lot of corporations lost money during the covid so what we see now is whether people want to open their eyes or not we're being price gouged because when inflation happens and corporate profits triple it's not passing on inflation to us they're creating the inflation. Yeah. And that's what I think we're seeing a lot now. General Mills cereal, they're feeling the wrath of consumers because they raised their fucking, like his box of cereal was going up to almost $7 a oh, box. Yeah. And CVS, fuck you too, CVS, because they'll charge you nine ninety nine for a box of Cheerios with a straight face. Like, <laughs> I know. like they just don't care. So General Mills has seen their profits decrease in the in the past few quarters because people aren't buying their cereals anymore. Yeah, but cereal will go on sale at supermarkets. I've seen ones where it's like, well, they're three ninety nine for a box. Their neighbors are six dollars yeah 
who aren't on sale. So you're like, well, it's easy. So if you put yours on sale more, there has to be something in the $3 ones I can eat. <laughs> you know? Something. Yeah. Some of the generic cereals aren't bad. Yeah. So we mentioned the Remus tasting. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So George Remus bourbon is put out by ultimately MGP mm. and Midwest Grain Producers at the old Seagrove plant, which we found out was also owned by George Remus at one point. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. That's something I didn't know. And they also put out Rossville Union. There's are two brands, and then they own a couple other brands now. Yeah. And so they put out the uh, Remus Reserve Batch 5, Batch 6, Batch 7, and then we had the Grand... Uh, yeah, the, the Remus Gatsby Reserve 15 here. Right. So we chased those four, and if you find them in the wild when they come out, they're about $100, $105, nothing crazy. Yeah. They're kind of like a blood oath in a way. They're a blend of many other whiskeys, ranging from, was it, 6 to 14 or something like that? Mm -hmm, years, mm -hmm. 6 years to 14 years. Their mash bill and the different whiskeys, the percentage they use of each one is right on the front of the bottle, so you know exactly what's being put in there. And we tasted the 5, the 6, and the 7, which were all distinctly different, but all delicious. And then we tasted the Remus Gatsby Reserve 15, which was one of the best whiskeys I've tried in a while. It was yeah. delicious. Of course, we did the 5 on Doug's Vault a year ago. Yep. Um, we did six in the Madness 2023, just this past year. Yep. And the seven, we did a quick taste on it back in November. Right. So we've definitely shown our love for MGP and the Remus Reserve. And so we had a good time there. The food, by the way, just break it down for you. We had uh, lollipop lamb chops to start with five. Yeah. The, with the Mediterranean quinoa salad, which right. we were surprised that we actually liked. Like so much. <laughs> and then we went into the bourbon glazed shrimp made with the regular George Remus bourbon. Then we had the bison steak mm -hmm. with a smashed rutabaga. Yeah, that was delicious. It was delicious. That was the wow. best play of the night for sure. And then with the Grand Reserve, we had the um, deconstructed cannoli with really light, fluffy cannoli chips around a really light, fluffy cannoli dip. Yeah. It's really good. Whew. So the food was great. The Remus was great. And it was a good time had by all. Yeah. And the guy who ran it uh, with Anders was uh, really knowledgeable. Yes. Not just about his brands, but the whiskey industry and the history of the whiskey industry, which is not always the case no. when you go to a place where there's a rep. No. Scott and me often feel like we know more than the rep. That was not the case this time. Yeah. So, feel-good story. From The Guardian, Ohio woman celebrates milestone birthday with her favorite things. Mm. Drinking whiskey and watching nail-biting football games aren't necessarily associated with healthy living. But last weekend, a woman celebrating her 105th birthday marked the milestone by engaging in both activities. Florence Hackman, a resident of a senior living facility in Deerfield Township, Ohio, spent the day drinking Fireball Cinnamon Whiskey and watching the Cincinnati Bengals play the Minnesota Vikings with about 50 other attendees, including members of the Deerfield Fire Department, whom Hackman has supported throughout her life. That's a great game, by the way. It was a great that game. That was an amazing game. I watched that. Besides football, fireball, and firefighters, Hackman, who's known for her ultra-positive personality, enjoys playing the organ. Oh, that's what I heard about her. <laughs> oh, no. I heard she can't get enough of the organ, you know what I'm saying? Oh, my God. Taking long walks and attending daily happy hours with her fellow residents. I bet it's a happy hour when you're working that organ. <laughs> oh, man. Imagine being 105 and just having happy hour every night. Why not? Uh, yeah, like just get a highball or whatever, gin and tonic. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to have that when I'm 75. My bar is much lower. <laughs> that's Yes, 105. That's 50 years from now. Yeah, I can't for, even for, imagine it. Yeah, I don't want to live. I'm going on record. This is... I do not want to live another 50 years. No. Like, it would be about 20 years to get me to 75. I'll be able to take a stock of things in, and I might be like, Scott, just smother me. We've talked a lot, me, you, Gabe, your brother-in-law, right. Joe, a bunch right. of our friends, about yeah. spending time at the Whiskey Old Folks Home. Right. There's got to be one somewhere. We have somewhere. to make it up. Yeah. We'll start it. Yeah. So now, the new whiskeys that you can buy this month. Yeah, here we go. 
right, here we go. We got 20 of them, but some are like bundled together, so it's not yeah, going to be just that knock long. knock it out. Yeah. All right. We're, we're going to knock these out yeah, today. We're going to knock these out. Mama said knock you out. What? I'm going to knock you out. Don't, don't call it a comeback. Okay, so the first one we have is a weird one, and I just included it because of how kind of strange this is. Bareface, as in B-E-A-R face. Better than Butterface. Yeah. <laughs> Wilderness series Matsutake 1. This is a blend of Canadian corn whiskeys matured in French oak casks and sherry pipes, then infused with Matsutake mushrooms for six months. Wow, that's strange. Isn't it? Yeah. It's 85 proof. There's no age statement or mash bill disclosed. Complex and savory with notes of cinnamon, followed by a wild earthy warmness and umami flavors fresh from the forest floor. 45 bucks. Too much for me, but go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I would try it if somebody <laughs> bought it for me. Like, because now they're infusing mushrooms in whiskey now? I mean, I'm a mushroom fan, but this is weird. I mean, how many ads do I have to see every day about the new mushroom coffee? <laughs> yeah, I know. To like change my whole life. Yeah. I mean, it might be true, but my thing is somebody would have been doing it the last hundred years if it was a thing. Right. The next one is Booker's Storyteller Batch. In. I'm in on every Booker's ever. Yeah. Fred No says from the website, Booker No enjoyed telling stories just as much as he loved making bourbon. He would strike up a conversation with a stranger and then by the end of it, they would feel like lifelong friends. Dad would always say, be yourself and talk about the things that you've actually lived and I think my son Freddie and I do a good job at this. Storytelling is certainly a no family trait. This is seven years, two months and 29 days aged. very specific 127.8 proof uh, the master is not disclosed but it's likely of course 75% corn 13% rye 12% malted barley thick and oily with peanuts caramel brown sugar and vanilla MSRP is 90 I just saw it in the store for 116 yeah it's creeping up I can't necessarily be that mad at it because of how good it is compared to what other whiskeys are costing yeah my fear is it's going to be at 150 soon, and I just think that that puts it into a different level. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it is seven years age, and it's almost 130 proof. No, no, it's a fine whiskey, but when you used to get it for like 85, and I know it's the same old story. Everything, I know, everything's I know. our best. Stop crying, you little bitch. Stop being a bitch. <laughs> Um, okay, the next one is Broken Barrel put out a new release, Honey Smoke Reserva. This is an odd one. The newest expression from Los Angeles-based Broken Barrel features light whiskey sourced from Kentucky was spent five years in a tank filled with staves from barrels that once separately contain honey and sotol, a Mexican liquor made from the desert spoon shrub. So not a tequila, but kind of like a tequila. It's six years aged originally and then five months in the other barrels. Right. 110 proof. It's a light whiskey, 99% corn, 1% malted barley, honey, vanilla, smoked mushrooms, corn, malt, wow. green pepper, MSRP is 80. I mean, it's different for Seth for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think Seth puts stuff out if it's not good. I would give this a try. 80, I mean, yeah, I'd love it for 60, but here I am again. See, prices go up. But I will tell you this. If Seth is charging 80, it's worth $80. I mean, yeah. he has been very fair with his prices, I thought, yeah. as he entered the market and tried to introduce his spirits. Uh, he's not gouging us. No, you might it, not like it, and you might not want to pay for it, but I don't think he's gouging you. Right, so that's my point. It's like, as opposed to the $45 Canadian mushroom whiskey, I w- would only try it if somebody bought that for me. But this one, I would buy a dram at a bar and try right. it. Because we've also spoke to Seth several times. We have faith in his ideology and his approach. Indeed. 
um, Bushmills Private Reserve Series, four limited edition single malts, all of which were initially aged six years in Oloroso Sherry and Bourbon Cast before being rebarreled into different barrels where it spent the remainder of its maturation. Ten-year French plum brandy cask finish, 92 proof, sweet notes of fruit, vanilla, toffee, and honey, that's $60. They have a 10-year Pomerol Bordeaux cask finish, that's 93 proof, tannic with notes of blackberry spice and leather, that's $60. They have a 10-year Cote d'Or Burgundy cask finish, which is 94 proof, cocoa, dark chocolate, fresh raspberry, and tannic oak, which is $60, and a 12-year Jose Cuervo tequila cask finish, which is 95 proof, notes of pineapple, vanilla, caramel, and black pepper, that is $75. And foreshadowing Gabe's Christmas present. (laughs) (laughs) I got him one of them. 10-year private, yep, I'm holding it right now, I just pulled it out of my bag. Burgundy cask. $60? $60? Was that what you got? It? $59.99. Oh, so, there yes. you go. <laughs> From our old friends at Banashes. Banash, of course. Only one barrel of this entered the state. Oh, entered New Jersey. Yeah. Wow. So, and they had about four cases. I hope so. uh, Gabe better fucking love it. <laughs> right. We're going to drink all of it tonight. <laughs> yeah. Gabe, uh, Gabe and Siobhan are stopping by later and we're going to exchange Christmas presents. So he will already know that he got this before he listens to this. So <laughs> yeah. it's not a spoiler alert. Right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So uh, the next one is High West High Country. This is their fifth annual release of High Country, a blend of pot-stilled American single malts aged in new and second fill oak barrel so double oaked the age is spirits from three to ten years it's only 88 proof it's 100 percent malted barley but listen to these tasting notes croissants bananas foster white grape jelly on toast points and mountain meadows that's the nose honeydew melon dulce de leche praline raw honey shortbread raisin cookies tobacco on the palate and the finish is vanilla cream maple syrup and autumn strolls <laughs> it's 80 dollars so we know it's freelancing yeah the next one, uh, Old Forester 117 Series Scotch Cask Finish. Hmm. The 117 Series showcases Old Forester's experimental side with the latest release being their regular Kentucky Burby. And a finger in their butt. Oh, <laughs> oh not that time experimenting. No, no, oh, no, no. No, not that. I thought Scott's yeah. type of experiment. Oh, my God. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, Kentucky Bourbon Finished in Speyside Scotch Casks. Likely from one of Brown Foreman Scott's distilleries, Ben Rioc, Glen Dronach, or Glen Glossa, the last two were on Whiskey Advocate's top 20 list, yeah. which pays homage to founder George Garvin Brown's Scottish heritage. There's no age statement. It's 93 proof, 72% corn, 18% rye, 10% malted barley, smoky char, milk chocolate, shortbread on the nose, baked apples, dried fruits, toffee, cinnamon, almonds on the palate, and butter, cocoa, baking spices, and earthy oak on the finish. 60 bucks. Mm, good price. I would definitely get that. Absolutely. Sounds good. The next one, Rabbit Hole founders collection Ambarana. So right. only 2,176 bottles of this expression finished in the Brazilian hardwood casks we covered on episode 69. Each bottle is individually numbered and comes with a wooden display box. It's 12 years aged, 125.4 proof, 78% corn, 12% rye, 10% malted barley, candied ginger, brown sugar, vanilla, toasted coconut, lime zest, roasted nuts, cherry, buttercream, mint, allspice, toffee, and red wine tannins. Guess the price. 178. Higher. 325. Higher. I'm out way before that, but I'm definitely not guessing anymore. $1,100. MSRP. Yeah. Oh. I know. I mean, I'm sure it's extraordinary, and I know there's only 2,176 bottles, and it's aged 12 years, and it's 124 proof, but come on. 
And we like Rabbit Hole. We're going to do an episode on them in the sure. new year. Let's see if they'll send us one of those bottles. <laughs> see how much they want to be reviewed. Yeah, that's true. All right. So the next Rebel Small Batch Reserve. Yeah. This is their latest annual release. It uses the same weeded mash bill as their regular Rebel bourbons, but this is drawn from higher quality barrels selected by master distiller John Rimpey. As opposed to the swill shit they put out. On the <laughs> right. It is also the highest proof bottling in their lineup. It's four years age. It's 110 proof. Okay. Mash is not disclosed. Honey, vanilla, caramel, dark fruit, robust barrel notes, and light spice. That's only 35. Yeah, I mean, they're hit or miss for me, but I've had some good pours from them. Yeah. And I like what they do. We need them in the industry. We need them where they are. And I think if they're calling this small batch reserve, uh, and it's still only 35, I would absolutely try this. Ah, sure. Fuck yeah. It's really hard for me not to try something under $40. Yeah. If anyone else says it's good. Four years, 110. It's basically a bottle and bond. Pretty close. Yeah. Uh, Next one we have is Sagamore Spirit Port Finish, an annual release for them which i didn't know it's out now it's a blend of mgp rise age six years plus three years finishing in port barrels 103 proof uh mash is not disclosed port wine raspberries sweet dried cherries caramel roses orange peel clove anise cider cedar i was gonna say yeah, no, that's a weird thing cider yeah, yeah. Uh, medium dark caramel white pepper and dry oak msrp is 100 nice uh three cord they released five bourbons in a row they called their backstage series three chord founded by rock and roll hall of fame guitarist producer neil giraldo aka mr pat benatar right collaborated with bands from different genres to create these new whiskeys so they're all named for the band that he collaborated with so there's dinosaur jr it's a two to eight year 96.6 proof it's kentucky bourbon finished in toasted barrels that's 50 bucks Hailstorm, two, oh. two and a half to eight years, uh, 90 proof. I this didn't is, know they were still around. Yeah, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Indiana finished in toasted barrels. That's also 50 bucks. Yeah. Lucero, um, who I don't know, two to six years at 96.6 proof. It's a Tennessee bourbon, $50. Blackstone Cherry, two to eight years, 98 proof. Kentucky bourbon, $50 again. And the Theory of a Dead Man, it's a six year, 93.4 proof. Uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Indiana bourbons, that one's $60. Good stuff. Yeah, I've had one before. I thought it was pretty decent, but I like the fact that they're doing uh, interesting things with a rock and roll theme. Right. So what it shows you is, though, because you're never sure when there's a rock and roller or an entertainer involved or an actor, whether it's just a gimmick whiskey or they're sincere. To do a project like this shows that Nick Geraldo is serious about his whiskey and is trying to craft interesting products. So that's what I take out of that. Yeah. And it's not crazy expensive. Yeah. Wyoming Whiskey has released two. Um, I've had a lot of good stuff from them. Yeah, limited releases, a single barrel bourbon and a barrel strength bourbon. Launched with a new brand campaign dubbed Made of Wyoming, which aims to shine a spotlight on the state's beauty and potential for being a hub of whiskey production. Cool. The single barrel is five years, uh, 96 proof, 68% corn, 20% rye, 12% malted barley, green apple, apricot, grass, raisin, cherry, green grape, cinnamon, and long spicy finish. That's 100 bucks. And the barrel strength is also five years, 122.4 proof, same mash bill dried fruit cherry cobbler cinnamon biscuit crust rum raisin ice cream wow prunes in syrup cheese chocolate covered orange peels yes please marzipan croissants with honey butter and smoky barrel char that's three hundred dollars i mean i guess yeah but they just get like a cesaurus out and just name yeah because really six of those were almost the same thing yeah, well, you, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it'd be like if I was saying, "Oh, it's like vanilla ice cream with chocolate syrup, or vanilla shortbread cake with chocolate icing to dip in, or oh, one of those tasty cake chocolate cupcakes with the cream filling." It's like basically I've just said three things that are exactly the yeah. same flavor. So I mean, because there's dried fruit, rum, raisin, and prunes. Right, it's right. what but, I'm saying. Yeah, I'm right. right. And Agreed. Then, yeah, uh, the last one, and this will prompt our other tasting: Whistlepig Piggy Bank. 
<laughs> this is the yeah. second release of their limited edition piggy bank decanter, which is inspired by 19th century antiques called Berkshire Bitter Pig. I thought you mispronouncing piggy bank. I was like, I don't no. know why I keep saying it like that. <laughs> piggy bank, yeah. Um, Berkshire Bitter Pigs. With this collection, Whistlepig is celebrating a year of giving back as the distiller has raised over $125,000 for various charities and nonprofits. It's 10 years aged, 110 proof. It's 100% Canadian rye. Teriyaki, vanilla, unshelled sunflower seeds, pepper, effervescent cola, tarragon, and charred oak. It's two fifty for a liter. Yeah, well, a liter. That's interesting. Yeah, um, and they raise money off this particular expression. Yeah. All right. I mean, they have quite a few things priced a lot more than that. So, and yeah. we did go to a tasting for the distillery, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. We tasted a few things that we've tasted before, but we hadn't had for a while. Piggyback rye. We had the ten-year rye. Um, 12 year old world right yep. their new piggyback bourbon yes which is also six years age just like the rye mm-hmm. and then we had their newest gimmick one which is the f1 uh, no, the alfa romeo formula one formula one okay. yeah what they did was they put the whiskey in cars yeah and they drove them really super fast average speed like 165 miles an hour or something <laughs> around a track to kind of give them a really fast you know jefferson ocean yeah (laughs) and um but it's what they made it with like it tasted like fruit punch it was the most unique whiskey i've ever tasted yeah it was strange you're either going to love the difference in it and Mm -hmm. and and have it like as a summer whiskey or something or you're going to hate it okay i'll tell you that and then after the rep gave us a splash after a decent pour the 15 and the 18 yes uh, uh, which i had never had the 18 i've only had the 15 once so it was really nice to have a real deep dive of the whistle pig products Mm -hmm. i we actually have drank a lot of whistle pig in our life and um, I don't love everything to do, but I mm. think that the piggybacks are underrated. Yeah, agreed. Uh, if you can love get the piggybacks. if you can get them around fifty dollars where they should be, the piggyback six year is delicious. Bourbon or rye or both? The rye. Oh, the rye. Yeah, the bourbon was actually very surprisingly good too. That's the first time I had that. Yeah, the bourbon was great. And I think it's the first bourbon they put out. It is. So yeah. All right. Well, that's it. That's the last whiskey you can buy this month that we're going to tell you about. What's coming up the podcast? Well, we're taking a break. We're taking January off. Yep. First time ever we've done. First time ever. After four years of recording nonstop. Yeah. Give Scott a break from constantly being under the grind of editing and producing. And me, oh my God, the curse of trying to be funny and witty <laughs> so many weeks in a row. This gives you a month to catch up on episodes that you might have never seen because sometimes you're coming in, we already have 200 plus episodes. And I know what that's like when I'm trying to watch a series on Netflix. How oh, many yeah. seasons do they have? Nine? I, oh, I don't know if I want to get <laughs> yeah. involved in this. That's totally so, true. <laughs> so it's a good chance for people to binge us if they want. And we'll be back in February where we're doing is we're skipping our whiskey for this year we're yeah. not sure if we're going to bring it around back in the summer or just wait a full year and bring it back again in January so we had some good topics but we also had some things that delayed us we didn't really get a chance to attack it the way we want instead of half-assing it that's another reason we're taking the break definitely, definitely. all right so we thank everybody for their support thanks for turning out I hope you enjoyed this edition of whiskey news and lots of new whiskeys out if you want to like spend some money to write off before your taxes for the new year end <laughs> Or, yeah, just want to get something good to drink to bring in the New Year's. Yeah, absolutely. As I'm sure we will be doing. So for the Whiskey Tandem Podcast, I'm Ed. I'm Scott. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year.